Welcome back, everyone. We're excited to have you here for Shuttlepot at the Disco, Season 2, Episode 10. My name is Jared Whitley. I'm glad to be back after missing a couple weeks. I'm here with my good friend Matt Wright. Hey, Jared. Welcome back. Thank you. And and Trek movie editor Lori Ulster, who's been on a few episodes. And mm-hmm. I think this is the first one, Lori, that you and I have done together, right? It is. Yeah. Hi. Welcome. Mm-hmm. We're Welcome. delighted to have you here. Yep. Welcome back, Lori. Thank you. Because normally we do the um, the shuttle pod every other week, but in order to stay on top of things with uh, Discovery, we do it every week. So we kind of rotate things through a little bit more. So some uh, people on the Trek movie staff who don't get the chance to be on the shuttle pod as much uh, are filling in. So we're really grateful for that. Mm-hmm. I think it's fun. Yeah. Also, because of Discovery, we had to bump the St. Patrick's Day episode we wanted to do last week, where <laughs> we're going to talk about, about Chief O'Brien and, and Kevin O'Reilly. And that episode with the leprechaun on Deep Space Nine, and that <laughs> and that weird episode about the Irish immigrants on second season of TNG. Oh but we'll goodness. get to them eventually. Send in the clones. Exactly. Yeah. You know they were gonna call that that the name of the episode. I know that was actually it. gonna be the name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that would have been a bit of a spoiler. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the here and now at Discovery episode ten, second season, the Red Angel, mm-hmm. written by Chris Silvestri and Anthony. Marinville or Marinville, hope I said that right, and directed by Hanella Culpepper. Yep. Okay, here, and just so we're all on the same page, I'll give a little episode synopsis, and hopefully I can do a good uh, fake radio voice like Brian does. I know, Brian does it so well. It's delightful. (laughs) Burnham is stunned when she learns her ties to Section 31 run deeper than she ever fathomed. Armed with the identity of the Red Angel, the USS Discovery goes to work on its most crucial mission to date. Critical mm. mission today. That was pretty good. That was Thank good. You. Thank you. So let's lead into it. Um, what is everyone's general reaction to the episode? Matt, let's start with you. Uh, I liked this episode quite a bit. I know it has some weaknesses, but overall it felt good. And I liked the pacing of it. I liked the character moments a lot. Everything felt like, you know, pulled together. So there, there's some issues that we can talk about it, but it's more like plot issues that have been there the whole season long than they are like individual episode issues you know i would agree with that completely but and the big the issues for me were the sort of the big story issues but i felt as an episode it was so much fun to watch it moved really well the way the characters came in and out of scenes was so natural we had big crazy techno moments well not techno tech tech moments and <laughs> great little intimate <laughs> characters. Yeah, exactly. Right, like, exactly. And great little character moments. I thought the directing was fantastic. I thought the writing and yep. the dialogue were great. The visuals, mm-hmm. beautiful as always. So I think this is maybe a favorite of mine. Can I just say, it's obvious why Hannah Culpepper was tapped to introduce the new Picard show. She's doing the first two episodes. Oh, sure. She's Yeah, she's earned her stripes. Yeah, yeah, she's absolutely. done a great job, and and she's a vet of like like modern TV anyway. She's done lots of genre stuff recently, and like I've liked every episode, the two that she's done for Discovery so far, I've really liked. So I can see why they went with her. Good. Well, I I likewise I've been consistently impressed with the way these episodes are shot, mm-hmm. and and I think that we've talked about before. That's they used to do really wonky camera work, and it's still creative without being over the top. And this episode continued that. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I would say in her case, there wasn't anything that I noticed that I was like, show off, which I sometimes feel a little bit with the other choices. I mean, it's just a choice. But in in this case, I really felt like it just enhanced every scene and scenes that were about, because so much of Discovery is sort of about something big and something small at the same time. And somehow I felt that the directing really reflected that in, in so many scenes. There's a great scene that I want to call out about that specifically that I think it was so perfectly directed and then uh, acted. But we'll get I, to it. But yeah, I have two. Okay. I bet. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> at least I bet you one. We have the same one. But yeah. Anyway, let's let's uh, move on. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay. So let's let's begin with the ending, or that is to say, our favorite cyborgs ending. Oh, poor Arium. Yeah. What did we think about this, guys? Well, it was a lovely funeral, yeah. <laughs> it was. It was a lovely time was had by all. I, I thought, I <laughs> they put it, the fun in funeral. <laughs> that's that's oh, a Simpsons boy. joke. I didn't come up yeah. with that on my own. Yeah, it was nice to see everybody gathered. I thought that most of the speeches were very good. I thought that mm-hmm. uh, 
when Tilly had that little quiver when she was like, she was my friend, reminded me of a certain captain saying beautiful yes, things it, about his Yes, first it does, officer. yeah. Um, and, and we have to talk about the song for sure. Cause mm-hmm. I, when he, when, when Doug Jones started singing and it was Doug Jones, who's a yeah, soloist really for his him. church, he said, um, oh, fantastic. I started to think, uh Oh, what, what's happening? And then he started singing and it was, I actually thought it was beautiful. I really yeah, did. It was, I was did moved. A fantastic job. Yeah. Did a great job. Also though, another parallel to, uh, that, that that wrath of Khan that you were trying to get to is so we have Tilly with the quiver and we have Saru instead of bagpipes it's his song it's his like yeah. funeral song but it's very similar not bad just no, no you know but very similar it's not a bad thing but. and I liked a little bit where Detmer starts talking about how she connected with Arium because they both mm-hmm. had augmentations and I thought that was a nice oh, sure. a nice little touch which by the way makes that canonical because they've never actually really described what her stuff was until now I mean, it's obvious, mm-hmm. but now it's official, like officially said. Right. So. Interesting. My my main reaction to this, I mean, all the things you say are, are, are definitely the positive things you're saying are all true. My problem with the funeral is I felt like we spent more time talking about her once she was dead than mm-hmm. we'd spent with her the previous year and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's an unfortunate part of that. Right. Like it's kind of it's not quite on the level of that one Voyager episode where we learn about like Harry's best mm-hmm. buddy who died. Ashes to ashes. Ashes to ashes. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. And you look at it like, wow, this sounds like an interesting character. I'm too I'm disappointed. <laughs> we never got to meet yeah. her. Yeah, too yeah. bad. I don't feel her loss. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was, yeah. And, and the part with Voyager that's killer is so many people had actually died. They could have actually picked a guest so many. to resurrect. So many. But, oh, well. <laughs> We've actually, we actually talked about that in your absence, Jerry. Su- Suter would have been good. Bring back Suter. Oh, Suter would have been great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Poor Suter. I hated that they killed him. Yeah. Well, he had movies to make and other things to do. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that guy's great. in everything. He's an in-demand actor. Brad Dourif. <laughs> mm-hmm. if, if you want a creepy guy... That's he, he's right. he's the guy to get. Well, he's yeah. Chucky. He's the voice. He's of Chucky. Chucky. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. true. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, before we leave the funeral, I did want to say another great thing that's not dialogue, but with some great looks. You know, just acting. You know, reacting and reacting. You could say were the Culber and Stamets moments there. Yeah. Because you know Stamets is is of course separated from Culber because they're taking time apart, and so there's this distance of like a whole row of people almost between them. And you can see Stamets just kind of upset and like wishes Colbert was there by his side. And you can see Colbert like, and I, <clears throat> I can only think it's this reflection of like the way I interpret it. Of, like Colbert was definitely aware of like the funeral part of it. And it's like, that's the funeral that he never got because he didn't really die. Right. Like he's, he's sort of dead, but not and is undead now. But, and you know, it's like, it's like him attending the, the funeral that he, he thinks he probably should have had or, would have had you know it's it's a it's a very surreal like i can only imagine like how bizarre and surreal that would be for some you know for him in this situation sort of start seeing that and i also liked that he was also back just standing with the crew and looking like he'd sort of rejoined them finally at the same time Mm. yep good eye indeed okay so speaking also of of arium she has a bioneural signature found in her memory that matches Burnham. Yeah. I'll Which is kind of funny because, like, I think a lot of us suspected that Burnham was the Red Angel. Just keep, like, le- leading Oh, yeah. Way. I was convinced she was. Yeah. Well. But, so what I thought yeah. was really great about that was that we heard that so early on in the episode. So it, right. was, it was just, it, they went right to it. And because sometimes when you're waiting for a piece of information, you're not really taking in all the things that are happening. And when you get that little mystery, like, boom, okay, here's an answer. Then I felt like we could really relish everything else that was going on. Right, right. Agreed. And so it's also interesting because, of course, eventually Colbert confirms that it can't be anyone but her. So... That's definitely something that we have to pick back up on because, like, not in this episode even, but like, that's 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 interesting because at the end of the episode, that's not who we meet. So I think there's a lot more going on that's about to go on. I think in the next episode. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. 
Okay, so let's talk about our favorite recurring character, Giorgio, and and the the evil that is Section Thirty One. Yeah, I like that they just sort of show up. And by the way, even the soundtrack changes, and they get like a little drum kind of drums oh, going. You know, like, like got their own light motif. Yeah, but and it's and it's much more militaristic. Like they show up, and there's kind of like military drums, you know, going on when they oh, show cool. up on the transporter pad. Right yeah, and um. You know, they show up, and of course, Giorgio's like, What's all this, you know, going on? Like, we should use a little totalitarian efficiency, I think is what she said. <laughs> and, you know, okay, hint, hint, like, gee, if you didn't know who she was, really, yeah. like. Okay, so. here, th- um, it reminded me of a scene from a Deep Space Nine where, where, Jake is talking with Quark and he writes, wants to write a story about some of Quark's shady contacts. And he says, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I want to do something about some nefarious villains. And Quark <laughs> says, okay, the first thing mm-hmm. you need to understand is no one considers them. He says, people involved in extra legal <laughs> matters do not consider themselves nefarious. Right. Right. Totally. And, and I, I can't imagine that, that she would have dropped the term totalitarian. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, Even I mean, just the word efficiency, you know, when said by her, to us, that it can have a little bit of weight. Anyway, you you maybe you disagree, Laurie. What do you think? Well, I think that she was actually saying it kind of pointedly to Cornwell, because Cornwell at some point they said, you know, we're gonna we have some plans, and she said, "I'm cringing already." Was her response? Yeah. So I yeah, felt like definitely... it was. I felt like it was sort of a pointed thing at Cornwell to be like, just you know, you uh, know, I know, we set up this whole thing because Cornwell's true. complicit in the whole right uh, she is. fakery and the tomfoolery. Yeah. Mm. So that okay. was okay. kind of where I took where where I got yeah. that from. Okay. Makes like sense. It. Makes sense. Yeah. As we know, especially later in this episode, Giorgio is nothing if not a shit disturber. So. <laughs> yes. She, likes she to has poke and prod. Some glorious stuff coming a little later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So so apparently there's has been as in terms of sneaky stuff going along, there was a temporal arms race with the Klingons twenty years ago. Yeah. I'm not incredibly loving that part. But no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, Enterprise did this and they did this yep. with the Solobon. Like, yep. let's, can we, could, I don't know, man. It would have, maybe they should have just actually worked in Enterprise, like, stuff at this point. Wouldn't that you know have been I mean? better? I think that would have been better. Yeah. Yeah. Also, if they were going to do it at all, which is kind of too bad that they did it at all. But yeah, it yeah. seemed unnecessary. Also, I'm, I'm sorry, the Klingons in this universe that we've seen <laughs> seem even even more savage than they'd got during the Berman era. Yes. And so I don't see them like like uh, having a bunch of Klingon Albert Einsteins figuring out how to break no. the time barrier. Also, also in theory, 20 years ago, they were quite isolationist. So I don't know how we got into an arms race with them when they were keeping to themselves. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Like, but. Yeah, none of that makes sense. I will say that they did still come up with a cloaking device at some point, so we can give them a little credit. No, no, the Romulans did. Didn't the Romulans come up well, with it and then they traded? Well, it? but I, but I you mean, know, Discovery is sort of playing Discover- with that. Remember? Yeah, oh, Discovery right. played the with ship that of the dead. The yeah. ship, right? And that was the big thing. That was the big bargaining chip for the ship of the dead. Was if you join me, I will share. Like a Cole said, if you join me, I'll share the cloaking device with you. Oh, okay, I get it. I get it. Yeah, you're right. You're yeah, right. They, I was wrong. They've That's been all fudging. Well, no, they've been fudging the sort of unclear history that we have. They've been kind of fudging that, so yeah, you know. But yeah, so that temporal arms race apparently is where the Red Angel suit came from mm-hmm. twenty yep. years ago. So it's not like you know twenty eighth century tech. It's apparently twenty year old tech. Like I, I, I don't know if I like that either. <laughs> it seems a Why little too much. Well, it's just also- like really, it's twenty years old and like super advanced. I don't know about that. I mean, all this technology did raise the bigger question for me, which is Section 31, which is not operating at this point as a secret organization. So it's an out in the open, pretty much arm of Starfleet. So why doesn't Starfleet get to share all the great technology that they have? Like, it's it's Mm -hmm. so weird that they have all this advanced technology and apparently have had it for some time, but not they don't share it with anybody else. And I can't figure out why. Com- right. compounded with the fact of how weird it is that they have actual military assets, right? Right. I mean, right. like the 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 CIA does not have any battleships. Right. And yet now we've now seen a, th- a fleet of at least 3. Like we've seen yeah. 3 of these ships now that they yeah. have. And and, yeah. and again, I'm going to go back to Deep Space 9, there's that two-parter where we're, it's seen that the Obsidian Order and the Tal Shiar have de- come up with their own fleets, which mm-hmm. is explicitly forbidden by both of those governments. So m- meaner governments with nastier spies 
for them to get military hardware that's exceeding their mandate but here section 31 has their own has their own craft in addition to their own aggressive uh, branding strategy <laughs> yeah so it it kind of just they keep compounding on this thing that that doesn't that seems out of place section 31 t-shirts available through the CBS store. And black badges. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, yeah, I don't even know how to say it about that. Yeah, for, no, we're, yep. yeah. we're good. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do like, though, that the new sort of emboldened Saru decides that he's going to invite himself to work with Leland. I like that. And, of course, we all know that Saru's not going to put up with shit. He wouldn't anyway, but now, especially this new, more kind of bold Saru won't. And so he, you know, calls out Leland. He has this great moment where he's sitting. And it's also, this is a big nod to the directing too. And so we see Saru in the background sitting there. And when and when Leland says, you know, I guess you don't trust me or you have to keep an eye on me. Or mm-hmm. was that Pike's idea or something like that? He, sta- mm-hmm. he suddenly stands and he's very, very tall. And he's he mm. suddenly becomes physically intimidating because he stands yeah. over him. And he says something. Right. I think he says that line, even without my ganglia, I still have a strong instinctive reaction to danger. But he makes yep. it clear that who's in who is keeping an eye on who. Yes. Sure. Sure. Yes. And and then if he steps out of line, he can donkey kick him like nobody. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's yes. right, man. Don't mess with Saru's donkey kick. Yeah. Or he can use his quills. He's got quills. Don't That's forget. That's right. Now he has quills. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he, he's the Martian Manhunter of the Star Trek universe. <laughs> Oi. Yeah. You'll notice they dropped that for the moment. I'm really glad they haven't come back to that. The quills. Yeah. Me, I mean. me too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I do like that, and it's kind of nice to see Saru, like, basically, um, like you say, it's also credit to the direction and to Doug Jones that I think before Saru wasn't always seen very, even though he was very tall, he was, you know, he was a little less threatening, he was more hunched over or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. now he, now he's like, you know, chest puffed out, like, you're not going to mess with me and I'm keeping my eye on you. It was good to see. Yeah, I agree. Liked it. Okay. So, Georgia tips off Burnham. That there's more to learn about her connection to the Red yes. Angel. So Le- what happens cause, here? Because Leland is up to some shady biz, basically, and has been withholding things. So Saru is right to keep an eye on this this shady bastard. <laughs> and then with Georgia, it's very hard to tell what's going on with her because she... Look, we know yes. her history, and we know that she's not a good person. She's just no. not a good person. And so... No. When she has these moments of of showing what appears to be some kind of connection or compassion, you know, I think, I mean, I had in my notes, I'd written that she was weirdly soft, but yes, I, I'm not a hundred percent buying that she suddenly become this compassionate person. I'm not even no, really no, usually, it at all. Yeah. Yeah. No. When, when someone likes that, when someone like that shows your, their, you, their soft side, that's when you need to have your guard up the absolute most. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Cause she, cause she wants something. She's up to something up to manipulate you for some reason. Like there's a reason. So it's right. usually not good. And she yeah. wants you to, you know, lower your guard. And so that mm-hmm. is absolutely. what this whole yeah. thing has been reeking of for me for a very long yes. time. Yes. I do think there is a weird kind of softness that's like legit underneath it all, which is like sh- they both see the other person like they're, you know, their oh, counterparts. Sure. Okay. Yeah. There's a little bit there, but yeah. yeah. I mean, Giorgio's too ruthless to like let that truly affect her, you know? Yeah. I, th- I think. But so yeah, she tips off Burnham and Burnham goes to have quite a little t- talk with Leland. And I like where she's just like, look, if you're going to capture me, so we're talking about, you know, me, like, I deserve to know every bit of detail that that you're withholding. And here we go. Here's this whole thing where Burnham is, again, despite everyone saying she's not the center of the universe. um, (laughs) Guess what? Yeah, so she she is, or her parents are, she and her parents are, let's say. Okay, can I I tell you what that reminded me of? It reminded me of, I don't know if you guys saw them, the uh, Amazing Spider-Man movies, the one with with Andrew Garfield. Yep, very much, very much. Supposedly, the mystery of what happened to Peter Parker's parents while he was being raised by Uncle Ben uh, and Aunt May. Supposedly, that's a big mystery that we need to care about. And and his parents were actually top secret scientists in that version as well. Exactly. Yeah. Spoiler alert, no one actually cares about them. No. By the way, you know who did? You know who was brought in to do a rewrite on Amazing Spider-Man Two? Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Tell me. Say it. 
Yep. Orsi, Bob Orsi yep. and Alex Kurtzman yep. when they were still That's a writing right. duo. That's so right. for whatever for whatever it's worth, you know, it's also a common kind of cliche thing, but hey, for whatever it's worth, there's a there's some commonalities here. Like yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um so yeah, parents were secretly working for Section Thirty One, everybody. Like shocking but not that shocking at this point i guess like <laughs> like the you know super secret organization it's harder to not be a part of <laughs> right apparently so 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 just to recap both of her parents and her boyfriend sort of you know her former boyfriend that she's confused about tyler mm-hmm. all all section 31 assets as it turns Every out this, last this really freaking sucks you know mm-hmm. like really <laughs> <laughs> I I will say that even when there are these plot points that we kind of find challenging or whatever it is, Sonequa Martin Green just plays it sells and it. takes it. She completely sells it, and you feel Loves all it. the anguish yeah. and all the confusion and everything going. Oh my on god! With her. When she, she when she decks Leland, I'm like, yeah, this is all, like that's right. This is what this. Yeah. I believe it. Like like yeah, I, absolutely. I believe this. Absolutely. Yeah. And even and after that, when she goes to the gym, which we'll talk about in a bit, but and she's you just you, you believe it. And, she, and her face just conveys so much. I mean, I've said it before, but I'm she just she kind of wows me every week because no matter what craziness comes her way, you, you can see all the emotions in her face, even when she looks like she's controlling them. She she just she brings so much to it. And, you know, having when having met her in person several times and she's just this lovely, warm, sweet yeah. person. So and she has this incredible edge. Yeah, that's, that's as the way Burnham. she comes across. Yeah. And which which is something the thing that always confusticates that for me is when they give her some really difficult dialogue to to get out. Because the stuff you're talking about is stuff she is a performance that she does sort of nonverbal, right? Like there was one line in there particularly where she said, "There are gaps in your story that I find disconcerting," and that sounded more like data than anything else. To oh me. no, I actually I actually wrote that down as a line that I liked, which is funny. Oh, there I we think go. that's her being very Vulcan at that moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I felt like she was trying to be very, very logical, and that and controls. not emotional yeah. in that moment. That's what I got from mm-hmm. that for sure. Yeah. That's okay. what I thought. So I think in that sense, it is sort of purposeful. She is sort of being like Data or a Vulcan. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so her parents were working for Section 31. They actually made the Red Angel. Shocking, right? And um, mm-hmm. Wheels within wheels. So the one thing that's kind of fun is, I mean, it, it's sort of a problem because whatever, it's a MacGuffin. But the, the idea of a time crystal is is talked about again, which, which is what Harry Mudd used yeah. back in Season 1 to screw with the crew of the discovery so badly in magic to make the saints man go mad, you know, which was a lot mm-hmm. of fun. So at least they're being sort of consistent. Like that was sort of a questionable thing even then, but at least they're consistent. Like that's the thing they established. So here it is again. And it makes sense that it would be in the suit, you know? I know it just, to um, me sounds like something maybe you'd see in Harry Potter, but <laughs> I know it, it, does. Yeah, it sounds, yeah. it sounds it, fantasy. Yeah. 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 It, yeah. It does. But you know, the fact that they're consistent about it. Sure. Yeah, it also it kind of reminded me of the uh, orb of time in the oh yes troubles sure. and tribulations episode sure the sure Klingon time travel stuff yes definitely um, so that was obtained at the black market on the Orion black market on Kronos which of course we saw at the end of last season and yeah the Klingons noticed that, that uh, something was sold on the black market that they really wanted because remember in theory were this secret temporal you know race with them. Um, and they attracted Doctari Alpha, which is where Burnham's parents were uh, stationed. And of course, Burnham this whole time has thought that she was the reason that her parents were sort of still around on Doctari Alpha to get killed by the Klingons. When it turns out that no, they were there the whole time for this uh, for the the sun to explode to capture the energy. Like she wanted to be, she wanted to be there to see it. And so she thought, oh, I'm, I've delayed my parents to, to stay and see it. And so she's blamed herself this whole time. But no, actually, her parents were there this whole time because they wanted to use the energy from it. So, And that's why she decked him. Like, she didn't just deck him because he was responsible. Right. That's she why decked she him decked for him. all the grief that she's been living with for all this time. Right. Sure. Right. Sure. I mean, yeah, a lot of pent up. Right. When that boils over, I mean, you just, you can, like, you know why she did it. Like, it's like, right. Cause, because this entire time she's blamed herself. Multiple people, as it turns out, actually knew this. So cool. Thanks, people. Like, no one told her. And they really could have. And it would have changed 
her outlook i think you know her self-loathing kind of would have saved a lot of that yeah so and of course like after this she rightly then kind of hauls off to tyler and chews him out for you know really like you still really want to be involved with section 31 like you're making you know how can you choose to do that oh and also like did you happen to know this this truth about my parents like and if i remember right he doesn't he's kind of a non-answer to that he kind of dodges that right no i think he he says no he says no oh he says no was that the scene in the turbo lift Yes. Yeah. That's so, the first which I, time. Yeah. I, I actually really like that scene a lot. And because just the way that he's like trying to look at her and she can't look back at him. And she's, and she's like, I know pissed. what you're doing. But yeah. he, yeah. And he, I think he pretty clearly says to her that he didn't know. But it's just, there's something so charged in that scene. I thought it was very, very nicely done. Mm-hmm. And she confronts him once more, like in the hallway. And again, kind of calls him out for like, you know, the, the choices you make. And you're making yep. a choice right now to side with Section 31, you know? Yeah. Which I thought was really great. So. But that that's sort of jumping around because really what we're really the sequence of things is she decks Leland and then we cut to the gym, which is awesome. Like an awesome moment between Spock and Burnham is about to happen. And yeah. I so yeah, I so liked this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of those two scenes that I feel was so beautifully directed actually because we get the you know the sense and the power she's punching and all the anger and then every time she and Spock started to talk it just sometimes it would come in and be very intimate and just line them up and you felt this brother sister vibe and their conversation mm-hmm. was so strong I just I thought mm-hmm. it was I, I thought it was a beautiful scene it, yeah really was and then they'd pull back to sort of like the wide shot of her beating at the dummy and then she'd stop and talk to Spock for a minute it was great and yeah. then eventually of course they just stop and they sit side by side yeah and it's so it's so well done and ethan peck nailing it as this spot yes you know he's there yeah go ahead jared um it's impossible to not draw comparisons between him and zachary quinto sure and i i think he's doing a great job i think quinto looks a little bit more like leonard nimoy but but um his, his performance is amazing here in this in the show i think he just he carries he's obviously studied leonard nimoy and wants to carry himself in a similar way and it's working it's Mm -hmm. working really well he has he has a gravity to him that that is powerful and yet still no cyborg references what i've just been waiting for (laughs) damn it all these years all these years that's all i want honestly there are a lot of people out there who keep waiting for cyborg yeah yeah. Okay, good. Good. I'm, we'll be. I'm not uh, one si- of them, but you know they're what, out what there. You, <laughs> what 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 can we call ourselves? The Cybok shippers, the <laughs> Shaka uh, re fans. I don't know. We'll yeah. ca- I'll come up with something. Yeah, you come up with it. I'm sure Thank you'll you. have a rally yeah. for people. <laughs> yeah, for all. Th- there are dozens of us. <laughs> there are a few people. That's for sure. Like there are people. I've I've definitely seen it. Who are like, mm. when are you gonna drop that Cybok reference? Right. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, no, I really do. I like all of it. It's all well, well done, well acted. I think the dialogue is quite good. Like it yes. sounds very Spock. It sounds like Spock. You know, it it's not. It's not kind of BS. You know, I think it. I think it rings true yes. to being Spock. It's very so. true to his character, and it's very well written. I mean, these the two guys who wrote this. This is their first Discovery episode that they're writing, but they've both been working on the show for a long time, working with the yes. writers and doing and research. It shows. And it absolutely yeah. shows. And I think they, I think they knocked it out of the park. Like they obviously didn't come up with the big overarching story here, but the way that they played out the scenes, the way they built it, the, the construction of it, and the dialogue is is excellent. Yeah, really great. Okay, next item. The plan to trap the Red Angel. Oh yeah! So now we actually have to do something about this Red Angel, right? So yeah, and they figure out that there's this old facility with that was a Section Thirty One facility where they probably like they may have developed it. I think in the first place on Esau Four, which is a nasty planet that you don't want to go on. Which makes sense that it would be secret research there, huh? But <laughs> and they have all the power you need to, you know, power all these crazy fields to hold them in place and generate an emp once it's held in place and all this stuff the whole plan to trap it though i have to say like it reminded me a little bit of that simpsons episode that um 
that meshed with the X-Files when Burns gets radiation and he's oh. going, I, <laughs> yeah, I want to yeah, be yeah. your friend. And, and they go, yep. he wants yeah. to be our friend. Let's kill him. And, I, I, yeah. you know, it's a little bit like this. Red Angel's been helping them and leading them to people and saving people. And they're like, let's trap it. Like, well, oh. I guess, I mean, to go back to the trap thing, one of the reasons why is because for whatever reason, the rogue AI from the future follows the Red Angel. That's right. one of the reasons why they want to trap it is because just, they, they're not sure what's going on there. I just felt like maybe they could have. I mean, I understand for the what made this episode dramatic was the trap. So I'm not saying, well, they shouldn't have done it. But I feel like sure. maybe other shows would have other Star Trek shows would have tried to communicate with it. <laughs> well, but the Red Angel snaps herself back before they can even try. That's I, that's why they had yeah. to trap it, you know. Yeah, yeah. It just it seemed a but, little, but it yes, seemed a little violent and harsh. <laughs> I, Maybe I know they exactly could have what tried to create some sort of rudimentary lathe. <laughs> Sorry, a little Galaxy Quest humor for people paying attention. Yes, I chuckled. Thank um, you. You're right. <laughs> I, I um, thought this scene. I thought the scene was plenty dramatic. Yes, I thought very. it was a good a good way, and I've I've mentioned this before, Lori, uh, previously before you've been on. But something that they do a great job with is threading the needle between the fact that Michael is the main character but not in charge, right? And so they do a good job of, in my opinion, of shifting the attention to her while still indicating that Captain Pike is actually the captain, right? And yeah. so this is a great way for her yeah. to be the focus of attention in a way she needs to be for it to be her show. Uh, while while being like appropriately Starfleet rebellious, right? Well, especially because they have that whole thing where they're gearing up to do it, and Pike's like, "You're you're kidding me! Like you're gonna t- you're telling me that like I have to go against everything that Starfleet stands for, and like tell one of my officers to basically go kill herself, you know, so put herself in this position that she could die." And they're like, "Yep, that's about it." And he's like, "No, I hate I hate everything about this." And eventually, you know, kind of comes around, but. But, but he does what you know a captain should do which is like no absolutely not like i'm not going to tell one of my officers to do that you know so it goes back to that and i also like that this whole plan it put everybody to work so everybody had something important to do yeah and i just everybody. think that they all shine so much when they all when you don't feel like oh we better come up with a reason to put this character here instead it was they all belonged where they were they all had roles and a plan and something they had to do we got that wonderful yep, yep. scene with stamets and tilly and Giorgio and culber all together which was oh boy. hilarious and wonderful yeah. so um i thought that worked really well in terms of this big crazy plan Yes. Although, boy, um, <clears throat> Georgia really does like to shit disturb. Speaking of that scene. <laughs> she, boy, does she. Uh, I was I was like Cause laughing she's over so there, hard. like Because she's over there just going like, man, you're more neurotic than like like I could ever have imagined. Like our standards. Yeah. Like, do you, have you considered medication, you know? And like, she's, <laughs> man, she's mean. No, and she calls well, it fabulous male tension. She yeah, says, and of your wide-eyed attempt Hugh to Hugh wanders this. in. Yes. Yep. She says it's a yeah. buzzkill. She thinks it's a buzzkill that Tilly's trying to defuse everything. <laughs> and of course, she calls Tilly out for being, you know, like, who raised you? You know, like, you yeah. can't even handle this tension. And like, Tilly's like, well, my mom, but she was mostly absent or whatever. It's pretty funny. Like, silly, poor Tilly. She doesn't get it. Yeah. Like, really, yeah. you don't need to respond to that question. <laughs> That's a rhetorical no, because... question from the emperor there. Well, and what what she's doing, it's a very sociopathic thing where she is searching out people's weaknesses. Oh, yes. And very using much that so. to, yeah. to mess with them and manipulate them so that very she much can... So. I mean, she's bullying them, right? Oh, absolutely. In just right. a very, very uh, subtle, psych- yeah. psychological way. Yes. She's totally the alpha in that room. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, well, of course, I mean, she proves she's... it. Yeah. What she's doing statements is she's sexually harassing him, right? Basically, yes. right? Because she's because yes. she's coming on. She's trying to come on to him, and she's like, "Oh, yeah. knock it off!" And you know, my version was up for anything, basically. Yeah, which, which like, again, which again, she's probably lying, right? She's I, just trying to. You know, I got. Skin. I kind of think so in a way because we what we saw mirror statements is he mostly kept to himself. I'm not even sure it didn't even seem like he interacted with Giorgio like yeah mere, in, in that much so i don't even know about that yeah it's kind but of that, yeah she, she can does, just say whatever she wants that mm-hmm. does raise another issue though which is yes you know how many people so that's supposed to be secret that she's from the mirror universe now tilly knows because mm-hmm. tilly came face to face with her and was told had that moment where she was like oh yes oh and then had to go on a mission yep. with her so stamets yep. we could go either way and we could assume that something went on at that time and he knew but Culber was not there. No. 
So, and she pretty much makes it very clear that she's from a different universe. Yeah. <laughs> yes. She says this. Yes. Yeah. And she says it even after Culber arrives. Like I actually rewatched it just to see. Yeah. She's, Maybe she yeah, says she's it all before shy. he gets there. But she says I don't it. Think and so, so. Yeah. Yeah. No. She she said more after he got there. And so it's. Yeah. It's it seems weird to me that she's just throwing it around like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, basically, I think we can assume that most of the crew, like we we've talked about this on previous podcasts, that like it's it's not. It's kind of an open secret to this to this crew because pretty much the entire crew because they went there to the mirror universe. Sure, it's not a who she is. It's not all that much of a secret. Now the rest of Starfleet may not know, but then that goes back to that other issue that we really don't have time to address. But just to throw away to throw this in here of, of like, yeah, the vast majority of the crew is technically withholding something from their captain because he doesn't know. Well, but don't you, know? you remember when Cornwell brought her out and said, "Oh, we've actually found the captain." Everybody yeah. reacted as if they believed her. Yeah, that is true. But it's pretty. I mean, I don't know how they believed her because they were just there in the mirror universe. But whatever. Yeah, know. like the whole crew knew. In <laughs> yeah, they they all just encountered a universe where everyone coincidentally has an exact double, and this yeah. person that who who died suddenly there's another one of her. Yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah, they're not. She's not doing a great job, like <laughs> compartmentalizing that. If that's true. <laughs> so. But I do like Tilly's like, what even's happening right now? Or oh my that God. was hilarious. I cracked up laughing so. and I've seen that already, like all over Twitter. But and the other yeah. thing that was just great about that scene, too, is that there were 800 things going on and all these layers and it all worked at the same time. So we have our tech thing coming up with our tech solution, which she does. Right. We have tension right. between Stamets and Culber. We have Tilly wanting everything to be nice. We have the emperor sort of asserting herself as, as a charge of everything. So instead yes. of, you know, my biggest issue with last week was that I felt like scenes were created to make one thing happen. And in this case, yep. we had this great scene where a hundred things were happening and they all blended together very seamlessly and effectively. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Good Absolutely. payoff. Yeah. 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 Just nicely done. And of course, this does basically set off poor Culber. Like, he, he goes, this is really, like, why he was looking for Cornwell in the first place. And it, that really kind of pushed him over, too. Like, this little interaction really, you know, upset him. And so, of course, he was looking for Cornwell because Cornwell used to be a therapist before she joined the Admiralty at some point. And um, thank God somebody goes and talks to somebody who was a professional. It's like this whole crew so badly needs to talk to, uh, uh, you know, a therapist. But Absolutely. Uh, I, I thought, again, fantastic job with this scene. Very, yeah. very, you know, delicate and just sort of, you know, sort of tender. Like you can just see how like unsure and raw Culber is about everything. And he's not really sure. And Cornwell does a great job, like, you know, understanding that and sort of putting the admiral hat aside and putting on the mm. therapist hat for a yep. minute it was nice um i like that the whole thing and you know the whole love is a, a choice you make and remake again so because he's you know because he's rightfully worried that he knows that stamets is still totally in love with him at, at least who he was and he doesn't know anymore like he doesn't know right. that for sure and so she says some really nice things about that that i liked that was a really nice... It's actually my husband's philosophy also, so I appreciated that, which is that you make yeah, the choice a, over and over. Yeah, it's a good yeah. one. It's yeah. it's actually a fairly common term yes. of phrase, at least at least if you know therapists, for sure, too. I've, but, I've, I've, I've heard the same thing said about quitting addictions that, you know, mm-hmm. if you're addicted to cigarettes, like you quit cigarettes every day, right? Right, right. It's true. It's true about a lot of things in life, really. That yeah. you, have to choo- you have to choose to do it again and again. Um, so it's very nice. It was very nice. And I like that her parting roads is Tim is the only way to make a new road is to walk it, which is sure maybe kind of homespun, but it's also just like it's it's a nice little truism, you know. Like I think it's nice and reassuring. Yeah, I just yeah. thought it was yeah, it was a well done scene overall and he, and uh Wilson Cruz did a really nice job too of just yeah, again, conveying this geez. inner torment. Yeah, he's got it. Yeah. Wilson Cruz just nailing it. Yep. Mm-hmm. I like the way, like, there he has these moments where sometimes he looks really strong and tough, and then he just looks insanely vulnerable. And he yeah. manages to get both, and it's <laughs> not in the dialogue, it's just simply in the way that he's holding his body and his face. Yes. And again, like, that's really saying something, considering that Wilson Cruz went and got himself, like, massively ripped yeah. before the season started, yes. purposefully. Like, right. 
uh, to, for the, you know, to show that he's got a new body. And then, you know, Wilson Cruz, you know, likes to flaunt it because, you know, that's him and that's cool. Sure. Yeah. But um, like, dude, he's got a good body, whatever. No judgment there. Like, that's that's great. <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, I, I used to be jealous of guys like that. And now I just feel awful about how much time they must they have to spend in the gym. And I think, nah, <laughs> right. Because they I'm, work their I'm, butts I'm off. Okay yeah. Playing video games and eating donuts. That'll be all right. That's all right for me. Yeah. Cause <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, exactly. I'm sure he had to basically drink, you know, like vegan smoothies and work his ass off to get that way. Sure. Yep. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, so, so, but, but again, like he, he, it's just like you say, like kudos to him that like he beefed himself up and yet he can also look incredibly vulnerable and mm-hmm. kind of tiny, you know, like yeah, in these situations. Yeah. It's it's a real credit, you know. So just just like Doug, like Doug Jones is a really tall guy, and he's even taller as Saru, and he can go from almost seeming like a shrinking violet mm. to in your face, like we were just talking about earlier. Again, credit to all these guys. Yeah, I mean, really, there's no there's no bad acting in the whole group of these people are, are just excellent all around, really. Yeah, I, th- but, I think they they manage to pull off whatever gets thrown at them, with with a lot yes. of depth. Yes. So speaking of depth, there's the next scene that I really liked. And again, this is both direction and Sonequa's acting is when they have that briefing scene where they basically just point out that everything is on Burnham's shoulders and everything, you know, again, the whole universe is about her. But this one actually like makes sense because it really is about her and she really could die. And it just shows her like walking away from that briefing and kind of cuts to her like outside of Tyler's quarters. And the way they do it, it's not like a normal cut. Um, I don't know exactly. I, I would need to go back and look at it. But whatever the technique they did is, um, you know, Culpepper did this great thing where it's kind of a push in and a little bit of a pull out as as it changes to like him being in front of Tyler's quarters and sneak with face. And between it all, you feel this like gravity of the situation and the fact that like she's basically willing to like you know marching to let herself die if this doesn't work right you know and either way it's going to be painful like either way this is going to suck even if she doesn't die it's going to hurt a lot you know and you can see that weight of <laughs> the, the needs of the many oh the needs of the one kind of thing where she knows mm-hmm. that if she doesn't do this the stakes are massive and sure. you just see that weight on her and you feel it with her and of course, mm-hmm. like then she goes to seek comfort, which makes perfect sense. My God, if you're if you feel this weight and you're like, well, I, I may never come back. Like, of course, you're going to go seek out, you know, this kind of comfort from someone. And of course, it's Tyler because, you know, that's someone that she needs to reconnect with anyway. And that's and a nice scene. That was the other scene that I loved the directing for because they. It, we bounced back and forth from intimate to sort of seeing them from afar and how they were they were physically together as one unit the way that they were holding each other but also when they kissed and she made this sound before she told him how scared she was and it just really got to me i mean she always does Yeah, she like kind of half sobs or something yeah it was like the sound that just came out of her because she just didn't know what else to do because they'd finally kissed again after all this time and yet she was Mm -hmm. absolutely terrified and then she could tell him that she was scared like he was the one person that she could go and be scared with and he he knew why he said of course you know that it's okay yeah Exactly. I mean, any anyone would know why. You know, it's like, yeah, of course. Like, she yeah. gets it. You don't have to yeah. say it. Like, he gets it. Yeah. So that was really great. And then um, poor Burnham does, they do beam down to this really crazy outpost. Rusty, crazy, you know, weather beaten because the atmosphere is highly toxic outpost. Which is a great location shoot. Same, same location, I'm pretty darn sure that they did for the Hiawatha wreck, which is a really cool industrial looking location. Oh yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It looks really good, but they did a great job with it. In this case, like the industrial stuff, like made a lot of sense. (laughs) So that was good. And they have another nice moment with Burnham and Georgia. And again, it's like George, this one seemed really genuine, which is really weird. Um, Where Giorgio actually says a really nice, I think it's a really nice thing where, you know, Burnham says, well, why didn't you tell me about my parents? And Giorgio said, well, it wasn't my story to tell, but I could make certain it was told. And, you know, I thought that was really great. And it's a kind of a, um, it's kind of a nice, almost ally moment, like where it's like, look, I knew that I shouldn't be the one to do this, but the story needed to come out, you know? And so I wanted to make sure it came to light. But 
again, like, why is this? This seemed really genuine. Like, why is she being so damn nice about it? It's really makes you wonder. Like, I liked it all. And then it's like, wait, let's reflect on that for a second. Why is that so? Why is she so nice about it? What, what, what possible future, you know, gain does she get out of it? Yeah, there ha- I mean, there has to be something. There has to be. But it was very, in the moment, it was very nice. And again, like, they, they, like, they, like, kind of touch each other and, like, kind of hold hands for a second. You know, like, holds her hand, like, on her shoulder for a second as she, you know, marches to her potential death. And again, it's, it's, it's a little too sentimental for, like, Giorgio. I don't, like, this Giorgio. I don't understand that. Yeah. But there you go. And then, my goodness, strapped into that chair is Ooh. intense, <laughs> intense. Holy crap. They haven't even opened the door, the ceiling yet, and it's intense because she's strapped in and like. No, and there's like the sound when the shackles are clicking shut. That's very yep, ominous. And, like, and Spock yeah. is the one to do it. Yep, Spock does it. I kind of felt a couple moments where there, and maybe I was just um, projecting it, where there were like bridge crew who wanted to hit the mute bump button, and then they realized, no, if she's doing this for us, we have to at least listen to her. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you, yeah, you, I mean, they cut to Tilly and you could basically see that, that she can't, you know, she can't even believe it in that yeah. moment where they have to kind of yell at Tilly to snap her out of it. It's, it's exactly like that. It's like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm watching this. And I do again, back to the pretty like good Spock lines and a, yes. and a great way to almost break up the tension is, you know, where he says, Oh, it'd be ideal if you survived, you know, and that perfect, very logical Vulcany way, which is like, you know, it would be ideal if you survived, you know, like, and she says such a way with words, Spock. <laughs> yeah. So again, we have that awesome brother sister dynamic going at the same, again, layered mm. in this moment, this huge, big moment. That's so huge is also small. Yes. Which is exactly how they have to do it. They have to yes. have small moments. It's it can't so be, well it can't be all too big. Yeah. So they do all that. And Oh my goodness. Like, they, oh. you know, the air cuts out. You watch, you know, those those shutters of the air like cut cut out, and they fall, and the ceiling opens up. And holy crap, that's like the my notes when I was watching this were longest two minutes of ever. You know, because you're just <laughs> like, oh my god, this is terrible. And of course, like Burnham starts to struggle, and people want to, you know, cut her loose. And it's Spock who's like, no, she's shaking her head, no like not no like come get me but no don't interfere because she realizes what has to happen and it takes spock being you know kind of the kind of the sort of mutinous guy that we that we do sometimes see like in the like in the menagerie we see him risk things do things that are you know a little you might say a cowboy diplomacy mm, nice mm-hmm. he holds everyone at phaser point and says no she's saying don't touch me like let me you know let this happen which is crazy i mean you can just see everyone's just like are you kidding me we have to go to her like what is going on and and you even see you know i mean spock is spock she's pretty cool about it but that's not something he would do lightly you know it's like we know this about spock like he wouldn't do that rashly he he has a reason for doing it and he knows that he's the only one who's going to be capable of doing it too correct absolutely right exactly he, he knows it's the logical thing to do in this situation. So he's the only one that could do it. Right. And yeah, it's totally, again, nailed it. Good acting, everything. Like, it makes sense. It makes sense to, for Spock. So, and my God, the Sonequa, jeez. Oof. Oh, the acting with that is killer. Like, her yeah. screams of pain. It's intense. Yeah, it's really mm-hmm. intense. All those sounds. Oh, my God. Yep. Yep. And so it, she... Uh... It's, it, 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 it's one of those scenes where you know she's the star of the show. She's not going to die. But the, but. <laughs> the, the stagecraft is so good, yeah. so good. that your yeah. subconscious um, is tricked, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you you go along for that ride. They're like, oh, she really might. And in fact, she really does die like for a split second before the Red Angel appears. I mean, right. they really mm. do. And I, I thought there was something interesting. The Red Angel appears, and it kind of looks like she basically reverses time for like just Burnham like she shoots something out and like resurrects Burnham basically like you know turns the t- clock back like 30 seconds or something just before it was interesting I'm not really sure they don't really say what happened of course they just they show it but that's what it looked like to me 
there's also this moment right before before the red angel comes where cornwall turns to pike and says your call and i'm like oh well thanks for that like oh yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> your person you i mean it. i could like, see that yeah. that would t- pike would want to be the one to make the call but if it were me i'd be like yeah. no no you can decide this was too much for me <laughs> this is why i'm not in command <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so that trap works yep they get they get her and over on section 31 of course like they have to go close down her little micro wormhole before anything else happens and that's where we get some crazy crazy shit going on which really okay can we just say that anytime you have to do something that like something intense is going on you have to go do something that's like looks like a creepy eye machine something bad is gonna happen like, yeah. that's a rule turn, that's a rule turn around yeah Change that's a careers. rule of everything yeah um so for some reason though even though we've seen like retinal scans like being done from a control panel like fine you know just fine no no problem yeah apparently he's got to go stick his eyes on a creepy eye machine to offer authorize an override uh-huh. and oh Oof. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah 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 i had to do a double take i wasn't sure if i like if that's what had really happened because it yeah. was so out of the blue and so yeah. creepy and that's what really happened he gets basically gouged in the eye but it seems like he survives because it looks like something it looks like basically that that future ai has like implanted something in his brain you know through his eyeball because you see like a weird little like digital effect in that eye and then he kind of like is sort of you know sort of uh, uh um awake let's say like sort of present you know for a second and it's like oh god what just happened i don't even know but he also remember he hurt right before it happened he heard his own voice yes He's on a certain voice. So there's definitely something weird going on. And then afterwards, you heard him speak to Tyler, and his voice was strangely calm. Was it him? Was it something else? Was it the AI? Right. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know what it was. Right. But it's interesting, though, because if that was the AI taking over, why would they want to close off the wormhole? I guess the AI made it made it in, so it doesn't care anymore. So we can complete the mission to close the wormhole, because it made it back. Um, so they close out the wormhole. They fire an EMP to shut down the suit. And who should pop out? Not Burnham. No. No. Nope. It it's mom. Yeah. The little the little sobbing kind of mom. Like again, lovely acting. Yeah, loaded and, with all the years of her childhood, right? Yes, my gosh. My gosh, yes. And it's mom. It is. I mean, we don't we'll see where where they go with this because there are a lot yeah. of different options. There's a lot of places they could go with yep. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what are any other thoughts? You know, that sort of closes out the sort of plot stuff. But what other thoughts do we have? You guys okay. I, what, there's one moment I really liked when Tilly mm-hmm. made the joke about she goes into the secret meeting and then she said these doors open on their own. Yes. Which if these doors have motion sensors and people are walking past them all the time, unless they're explicitly locked, shouldn't they open like grocery store all the doors? time? Yeah. yeah. So that was well, cute. I, I like that. It, and of course it's funny because that's both true and not true because of course we also see that like people's quarters stay locked until you, you know, press the little call button for them. Oh, the doorbell. Yeah. Yeah. You press the doorbell. And, and likewise, we also know people can secure the, the rooms like, right. and you would, and you would think Pike's ready room in the middle of a really serious thing would be locked and you'd have to you know yeah press the how, door would, how would it not be <laughs> but whatever it's it's cute it's another you know goofy moment is a tongue-in-cheek yeah uh i also really liked uh the really great sweeping shot like that kind of followed the arc of the saucer oh yeah and then swooped down in to sickbay when they were discussing the bioscan that they found yeah, I agree. Wow. I thought that. Looked, I loved that shot. That lo- looked. I mean, I watched the episode a couple times, and I must have looked away or been doing something the first time, and the second time I was like, "How did I miss that? It's beautiful." Yeah, and it you know it goes down in through the saucer and down in the sick bay, like you know goes through the hull, pass through layers of the hull. They've done a few shots like that um, over the years, actually. Um, I think, I think Enterprise has done like one like that. Even in uh, Next Gen, they did one like that early on to show where 10 forward was that it was really nice like that and um yep so it's a long tradition of kind of fun let's you know zoom through the hole into into the scene so yeah i thought that looked really beautiful there was yeah. also the moment when uh 
Lieutenant Nelson took her place on the bridge, and she's oh, replacing yes. Arium. And of course, as everyone knows, it's Sarah Mitted who originally played Arium. Yes, yeah, so that was kind of meta, you know, like. <laughs> but still, like a big, a big moment. I mean, everybody turned around, and it wasn't because she was Sarah Minich, Although for the viewers, there could be that, but also because sure. you're taking the station of a, of a fallen crew member. Right. So it worked on two layers, like a real world kind of production, you know, in universe one. Yep. It was very nice. Yep. Um, one one thing before we totally stop beating dead horse about Ariam's funeral is is I thought that <laughs> I thought it was interesting that like they just eject her into space when she previously had was infected by the AI. And like oh. she's also still still part cyborg. Like yeah. they just they just let her drift into space. I mean, I this is this is the thing, like um, if you ever want this virus to reanimate itself and like get a physical body, mm-hmm. she's the right kind of like that's the right kind of idea. Like, yep. you you just let some or, or some other race get their hands on it, just finds her, just find it. Like, yeah. I think it's yeah. weird that they didn't basically destroy her body. Yeah. You know? Also, the you make very good points. Also, the the whole tradition of putting the dead sailor out to sea is from a yes. time when it was impossible to bring a body back to home. Like if, if we were on master and commander and yeah. we're from London and we die in the Galapagos islands, you know, Paul Bettany, poor Paul Bettany can't bring our bodies back to London. Right. They just have to get <laughs> right. rid of them. Right. 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 Presumably the discovery has resources to take care of this body. I mean, like uh, there's a couple of times when Beverly goes to the morgue in yeah, there's in a morgue generation. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? yeah. There's there's absolutely no reason to do this. No. It's just symbolic obviously. Yeah, it it just seems dangerous and unwise. Yeah. 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 Also, I mean the reason that Spock gets a burial in space is so there could be a sequel. Right? <laughs> yes, well, right. Well, and they sent him to the planet. They sent him to the planet, yeah. right? They didn't just shoot him off to <laughs> Yeah, actually, they become they had, a sequel episode. Right? They they had actually they had assumed he would essentially be cremated. They had assumed he would burn up in the atmosphere. And right. so sure. I was surprised yeah. when he didn't. So yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it's a different situation. Yeah. It also yeah, so I thought that was weird. Environmentally irresponsible to just be shooting right because you just made you just made space, space junk. Yeah. Right. You just made <laughs> junk in space. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks or maybe that. she'll go through a wormhole and become V'ger too. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like you're just gonna leave her to become you know because she's you know partially robotic like yeah. somebody's going to reanimate it or something yeah. or yeah, i don't know it's, it's weird it's a bad idea yeah um an, a nice moment though beyond the nilson thing was i did i did really like the non and burnham moment in the corridor yep where you know non says like look you know we had to make these tough call that's my job as chief of security i did it like i hope you don't sort of hate me for that you know and burnham's like no that was your duty i totally understand it's just a nice moment because you know what like those two people really haven't shared screen time anyway, and it seems like they should for this reason, for this experience they just went through. Yep. So yeah, I liked but, it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I have to call out a little bit that I didn't love, and, and it's not exactly bad, but it's not exactly great, is where we talked about this with the Mirror Universe, um, I think in season one as well, but there's this, there's an unfortunate thing where anybody who's you know well essentially to use to use uh giorgio's own phrase anyone who's like non-binary is often portrayed as shady um and it's it's a bad trope that has persisted for far too long usually it's like the um oh there's a name for it on tv tropes but it's like uh, it's like the bi curious vixen kind of thing, and it's and it's you know they're not to be trusted because you don't know. Oh, which way like swing. Uh, like Evil Willow on um, on uh, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, sure, in that vein. Well, like and Kira, so, like Mary Universe Kira, who right, and so so and unfortunately that, that's a, that's a, that's right. a better example. Thank you. That's a better. <laughs> so unfortunately, I think I think what's happened is they took that they picked up that notion from Deep Space Nine, which was like one character, and I think it fit her pretty well that she was kind of you know unscrupulous and also maybe. Did whatever she felt like because she's well, because well, right? that was well, the way I saw that was she was the queen of her domain and that was her way of exercising dominance against everybody. right exactly. Well, and she also and, and it's, she and wanted it's to she wanted to get it so. on with herself. Remember, like she met her That's own true. level because and was like, right. "Hey, so. right? How yeah. egotistical it's, it's the and ultimate, how ultimate yeah. narcissism? Right, right? Yeah, how narcissistic right. can you be? Well, they seem to have picked up on that because we talked about this before with Giorgio and some other stuff like back in the end of the season one finale. Um, 
they picked up on that and it's and apparently like now with this discussion about you know mirror stamets's um sexuality and stuff that apparently just everyone is is you know if if you're evil like if you're in the mirror universe you're you're down for anything which is <laughs> you're, not you're, necessarily you're, like you're you're dtf yeah which you know okay again you sort of get that idea from the fact that they're really leaning into the sort of you know roman empire kind of allegory oh, okay sure yeah so yeah, so i get an alien I, orgy type of stuff yeah so you see so i can see that but it still just keeps it it, it still moves you know it's still I, i've seen it sort of offend people a little bit and i am and i get it like yeah. it still keeps saying to people yeah but if you can't pick a box now the box can either be straight or gay like they don't care you know that's not the problem but look you can't but you can't pick a box right it's like oh you don't know who you know we don't know who you're attracted to um, so too bad. That's scary, and that must mean you're from the mirror universe. You know, there's there's a little kind of message there that's not. I you know I don't think it was intentional, but it it's it's happened a few. You know, when they do that and they choose to make mirror universe people this way, it ends up sending I, that message a little I, bit. I I think that's symptomatic of the underlying problem of the mirror universe in yes. general. Yes, I think so too. It's mm-hmm. it's cartoonishly ludicrous, right? Right. It's one of the absolute best episodes of the whole franchise. I think it's the most iconic episode with the image of evil Spock having a beard. But the whole idea that there's another universe where everything is exactly the same except everyone is Everyone's murdering like each other constantly, yeah. it's it's absurd, right? right? And so anytime you project anything from real life into that, it's going to look silly. Yeah. That, that's so just my, that's my two cents. Yeah, and it just so it just doesn't totally work and you end up, you know, Maybe not sending the right message about. Some well, and it would stuff. be easy to fix because you just have someone who's not from the mirror universe be pansexual, and then you don't and have I a think problem anymore. Ex- exactly, and so that's what that's what I think. What a lot of people are sort of you know critiquing is it's like, well, the only time we've seen this is if they're mirror universe people, like they're mm. very clear, you know. And so, okay, where's you know where's somebody who's non-binary in some way or feels pansexual or whatever, like because. You don't have to. You're not a bad person for that, and that's the message that's going on. Right. So it, I it, it, it also just could be like what I said earlier that she could be lying. She's just right, and with and, them. I, and I do tend to think she's 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 definitely shit disturbing. Like she's definitely messing with them in some yeah. manner. And like I say, people have already have taken you know rightfully so have sort of taken uh, umbrage with this whole thing where she says that she was hooking up with Mirror Stamets when it looks like no, actually Mirror Stamets barely had anything to do with her and mostly was in his lab doing stuff so it's like what do you how do you know like what he also was pretty neurotic as i recall he was jumpy i I thought so too hiding and you know nervous about everybody and i don't know it seemed like he actually was perhaps even more neurotic (laughs) yeah see and again that could be her just totally screwing with him oh you seem more neurotic than the one i knew like that could be her just deciding to say that you know like yeah okay we don't know, but it's it's pretty mean. Whatever it is, like whatever she's doing, it's pretty mean. It was a delightful uh, scene. I do say I will say I liked I liked that she called out that like what did you you had it, Laurie? The whole the male um, shit, you know the the male tension or whatever was yes, that was pretty funny. I, I liked it, that line. Yeah, I liked that line. Yeah, that it was, was a really really good line. It was fabulous male tension. Yes, yeah, yeah. Her <laughs> use of the word fabulous was very pointed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Anyway, that's not the end of the world, but it's just one of those like, hmm, I wish people, you know, these guys did such a great job writing it. And it's not even their fault because, again, this was this is kind of a setup that's already there, you know, about the mirror universe. But it's just kind of a bummer. No, and it's also the, you know, the first real portrayal of gay people in Star Trek in a, yes. in a real way anyway. And they've so far surpassed anything that's been done before in that area and they've actually i mean my my personal thought on on culber and stamets is that i actually think they're the best i mean before this whole not being together part to me they were the most realistic depiction of a couple that we've seen on oh, yeah. star trek they're, i mean even including they're, what's they're going on now like there's so yeah. much a real couple and not just stereotypes and not just playing these roles and calling each other wife or husband but they actually seem to have a very nuanced deep rich relationship yes well and, and a lot of that's because the actors are so invested 
Yes, again, credit to them for sure. They're, yeah, they're but it's also it's also the writing and the setup that you know. I mean, look, the the production team talked about this and saying their own praises quite a bit for doing it. But there was, but that toothbrushing scene was a big deal to a lot of people, and it was oh, yeah. definitely a big. Well, because deal. honestly, we've never seen a couple hang out after hours and like tooth like do mundane things like that ever right. anywhere, right. regardless of you know who the couple is or whatever. They've just never bothered to show us that you know yeah and it's it's a big deal speaks to a comfort level and an intimacy and a reality of what Mm -hmm. couples are like right absolutely yeah so yeah but anyway um so if anybody else any other little thoughts otherwise i think we're good with this episode yeah i think we covered everything so yeah next week though man alive all the possibilities yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, they said the Red Angel's definitely you, Michael, and then it wasn't. And then we'll see. Has there been a... You know, a lot of people on Twitter are saying, you know, if if the Red Angel's a time traveler, why didn't she know that there was going to be a trap? So did she know? Was there a switch? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Is it like a mother-daughter? There's so many different possibilities that... Um, yeah. I'm, well, I'm, I think that... Go ahead. I think that scan that says it's a hunt, like that they're quite certain it's Burnham. I think that, that just tells you that Burnham's going to don the suit at some point. So it, it, it both is her mom and is her. You know right. what I mean? I think yep. I think it's just got to happen. Um, so we'll see. There's a lot of crazy options now that sort of time travel like is in the mix officially. <laughs> right. Well, we'll yeah. see where it goes. Alrighty. There we go. Okay, well, thanks, everyone, for those of you who stuck with us to the end. We sure appreciate it. We're uh, we're glad, Lori, of course, to have you on. Thanks. It's fun for me to be able to do an episode with you finally. Yeah, that and, was fun. Yeah. Uh, c- come back anytime. Look out for when you say that. <laughs> oh, okay. Never mind. Never mind. I take it back. I take it back. <laughs> All um, right. Well, thanks, guys. Take care, everyone. All right. Bye, everybody. <laughs>